Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best as an host. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcast should have a theme song. Podcast should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. With your host, the winner of this episode. <laughs> uh, when he, when Don Pardo passed away, that was one of the things that I was sad about was purely selfishly that I would never get to hear Don Pardo say my name. Yep. So me too. You know what I mean? Me too. It's like, oh man, I wanted to at some point in my life hear Don Pardo say my name. So I will just have to use your impression of Don Pardo. So at some point I'd like you to record my outgoing message, I guess, for sure. my phone. Is that a thing people do? Uh huh. <laughs> Mark Gagliardi <laughs> isn't here. That musical guest, leave a message at the tone. <laughs> a cartoon by your name, number, and reason for calling. Do you give the instructions in yours? I don't know. I never use the phone. I think so. I don't remember. Yeah. I should re-record. Some people give the instructions. I know that's the thing. You never hear your own. So I might be doing like a deflated balls joke or something. And it's like, whoa, this is a old, old outgoing message. <laughs> I don't remember what you're, I feel like you're the only message I remember from yours is this person's mailbox is full and cannot receive any more messages. Is that the outgoing message? Is that possible? That's what I it think is? it probably is at this point. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about SNL. Let's talk about SNL. We have not really talked about SNL a ton on the no. show. I mean, we had the great episode with Dave Thomas where we talked about the original first five years of the show, but we're now we're covering the greatest hosts, which spans the whole the time. Higher. We're up to 47, 75 years? to 75 until now. Yeah. 47 years. Yeah. 46, 47 years of SNL wow. and all of these hosts. What do you think makes a great host for SNL? Like in any comedy situation, you want to know that you're in good hands. And I think that the hosts that come out and let you know that you are in good hands from the get go are the ones that succeed the best, in my opinion. Do you think it needs to be an entertainer? Because certainly there's a long history of athletes hosting SNL. Yeah, I don't think our best one is an athlete. I don't think that the best one, but I think that there have been some good ones. And I mean, look, athletes are entertainers, too. Like their job is to be in front of a crowd and they know what they're doing in that regard. So I think that some of them who know their limitations. I keep going back to Joe Montana back in the day playing the guy who spoke everything, you know, spoke, uh, couldn't lie and the honest man. Yeah. I'll be upstairs masturbating. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but that's just the easiest thing in the world to do. And Joe Montana's like, he's game for it and he's doing it. It's great. And he didn't host it by himself. He hosted it with Walter Payton. They hosted it together. Oh, that's right. It was the two of them. You would imagine Mm -hmm. that the, the correct answer would come out of the five timers club. Which yeah. started as a joke when Tom Hanks hosted for the fifth time, but has since become uh, more and more people getting their robes. And there are a lot of really good modern hosts. Like, I think Dwayne Johnson is a really good SNL host. Oh, yeah. But I also think that his best show ever was his second time hosting, mm-hmm. which that show contains the best version of Brian Fellow's Safari Planet possible, <laughs> where he thinks that that a, a bird is stealing his identity. <laughs> I don't remember that one. I remember the only Brian Fellows that comes to mind is uh, the goat looking at him with the devil eyes. <laughs> that might have been the first one. 
There are a lot of good ones. That that might be the first one, but that was the second, I think, Brian Fellows was on The Rock's second show. And it is, it also has the, oh my gosh, the Wayne Mango? Newton. No, Wayne Newton and Bigfoot. <laughs> no, Robert Goulet. Robert Goulet and Bigfoot having an album of duets. And it, oh and it becomes God. apparent throughout it that instead of it being a commercial for like a K-Tel album, that he is losing his mind. That Robert Goulet has been given bad drugs and he like took drugs at like a Shoney's and then he, who's playing up. Goulet? This is a uh, Will Ferrell's Goulet. Will Ferrell, yeah. This, yeah. Is, this was close to the end of Will Ferrell's run on SNL. Will Ferrell's Goulet, by the way, the mm-hmm. quite a tongue twister, just turned into Ron Burgundy, didn't it? And then he mm-hmm. went and made Anchorman. Yes, they're very similar to one another. Yeah, There's it's just him doing his Goulet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think The Rock was great. I think, yeah, I think all of those the the early year five timers, and a lot of them are the ones that I think have been doing it since the seventies. Guys like mm-hmm. Steve Martin. Uh, who came back and hosted, you know, and he's come back and been on that show since the 1970s. Martin mm-hmm. Short, is he a five timers? I think he may have hosted, but by now I think he may be a five timer. Yeah. He's also a great host. His last time was great. Well, he was a cast member. I think the, many of the best hosts are the ones that were previously cast members. So they know how the machine works. I mean, I, I think that maybe the single best cast member returning to host, and there are a lot of them. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of great. First of all, Jimmy Fallon had a Christmas episode, and I can't remember what year it was, but he he came back and it was as close to a perfect episode of Saturday Night Live as you can get. Mm-hmm. And he brought some characters back, but it was also a lot of impression stuff. It was like all the stuff he did really well, and him coming back and not being afraid of revisiting things because that was sort of his famous. He didn't want to revisit his impressions. He didn't want to yeah. do stuff too many times but i think the best former cast member coming back to host is eddie murphy yeah he just had that epic one last year two years ago two years ago yeah yeah i mean when he was there i think that he did a greater job of utilizing what was there then you look at some of these old cast members when they come back and host Mm -hmm. and it would have been real easy especially because eddie murphy was on the show at the time where he was the big star of the show and he was the driving force behind the show Mm -hmm. but he comes in and he seamlessly melds with a cast that is working right now but still putting his eddie murphy spin on things you look at somebody like mike myers who came back Mm-hmm. who, you know, was on the show with great casts in a, a great era of the show. But when he came back, he sort of had this vibe of, I am here to do what I used to do and save this failing show. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That So that kind of thing, looking at the Eddie Murphy episode next to something like that makes it shine even more, I think. Yeah, he also, I mean, sketch-wise... For the monologue, mm-hmm. they brought out a bunch of people. You know, Chappelle was there and mm-hmm. Chris Rock was there, all these people all these notable folks coming out because Eddie's hosting SNL yeah. and what a big deal that is. I mean, that's a tall stack of people standing on each other's shoulders with Eddie at the bottom. <laughs> exactly. But for the entire show, it's just Eddie. He didn't bring back mm-hmm. Joe Piscopo, no Julie Louis-Dreyfus, no Brad Hall, no Gary Crook, like nobody coming back from his, no Tim yeah. Kazarinski in bed with a chimp. Oh, um, I love Tim Kazarinski. But like, like Kristen Wiig is an all-time cast member. She's also mm-hmm. a fantastic host because she knows the game. Yeah. She was practically, she was the star of the show for a good amount of time that she was there. But I also know when she shows up, it's more likely than not that Maya Rudolph is going to show up to play as well, which I'm happy yeah. for. But I, I like that. Like, I like the other, like them bringing their friends along. Oh yeah. Drop, drop-ins are great, but I feel like I want, I, I would want to pick a host where it's just, like the host is the main deal and that is it. And they don't need to bring anybody else. Doesn't mean they haven't, mm-hmm. but it's really like when they're hosting, 
it's a big deal. And I think for a cast member, because they sort of have an edge that feels unfair. Mm-hmm. So I kind of want to say that, the, that a former cast member would not be the choice. Oh, interesting. So strictly hosts. Yeah. Cause I want to bring in people yeah. where, where this may not necessarily be their element, but they're just so good at it. I mean, well, I think that there's a couple that come to mind right away. One specific one jumps right to mind because it kind of is his element. Yeah. But he surpassed that being his element. And then this seems like something that he just does for fun. And that's Tom Hanks. Yeah. Started in television doing a comedy show, but he's become one of the you know most celebrated and beloved actors of our time. And yet he keeps going back to Saturday Night Live constantly just because it and it looks like he is having more fun than anyone else when he goes back he seems completely stress-free mm-hmm. everything i mean nobody makes it look easy the way he does and i don't think that anybody makes it look fun the way he does as far as people who are outside of their element doing it yeah i think he embraces the chaos of it and he came from you know a lot of people come in who are on sitcoms and they do a fine job, mm-hmm. but SNL and sketch in general is a completely different beast to doing yeah. it live in front of an audience sketch for the first time when you don't have stuff memorized is a different beast. And then having that broadcast everywhere is a completely different beast. Yeah. And he, he has recurring characters. Like he, yeah. he's great in that. He seems like he could be a cast member on the show and he, he would work really, really well. Yeah. Somebody like Christopher Walken comes in who's hosted also a ton of times. Mm-hmm. And it's just what I like about Christopher Walken is he's just game for anything. Oh yeah. The, the current, the Colonel Angus sketch. Oh, or the you get a, like, you get a get sense it. with him that he sometimes doesn't, cause he's so weird. <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> even know why what he's doing is funny. He was just told to stand here and say these things, but no, I mean, obviously he's got a master. Cause th- that's the thing is Walken is, he's such a singular type of character, mm-hmm. but you got to remember he's an old school stage tap dancing song and dance, like entertainer. He's like a vaudeville. You know what I mean? Yes. So I think that that works really well for him. I want to go back to Tom Hanks for a second. Yeah, let's do it. Because the thing that you mentioned that you said something that brings to mind a thing that I really like about him, and that is that it seems like he trusts not just the chaos of it, but the other performers that he's working with and the and specifically the writers that he's working with. He's Tom Hanks has a sense in him. And I guess it's he's coming out as an early favorite just in my off the top of my head in this because he. He doesn't seem to have a vanity of I am going to be hilarious. Mm-hmm. It's I'm going to do this show where everyone that works here is hilarious. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yes. He he understands yeah. the the power of that ensemble and and that you get to play and be a part of it even if you're more featured than everybody else. Yeah. Another guy who I think does that extremely well and who also is is up there I think maybe top 3 in terms of number of times hosting is John Goodman. Oh yeah. Where all like, excellent actors. That's the thing. Theater, like you have to be guy. really good theater guys. Yeah. Theater guys. Tom Hanks was a theater guy. Himself. Tom Hanks is a theater guy. Alec Baldwin, also a theater guy. Oh yeah. And a good host. I don't, I mean, it's hard to talk about him right yeah. now. Obviously he's, he's having a rough, uh, rough stretch. There, there's a lot of weird stuff going on there. None of which has to do with him. Anytime he has hosted SNL. No. I think he's a good host. I think there are hosts that are better than him. I think his vibe seems to be you're lucky I'm here rather than I'm lucky I'm here. 
Yeah. I want a host who's like, I'm lucky I'm here. And this is a, I, maybe it's just because I'm a big fan of the show that I like a host who sees it as their privilege, not the show's privilege that they're there. Yeah. And also the, I mean, you know, they had him as Trump for, I mean, his Trump is brilliant. I thought it was okay. I thought I, I think Anthony Atomic does a way. Anthony Atomic Anthony Atomic does a more accurate, a vastly more accurate Trump. Uh, for those who don't know, check out clips of the President Show. Yes, he's hilarious on it. The writing staff's amazing. It's a really, really amazing show. But the guy who is doing him now, who I cannot remember his name, but he's like he's like Daryl Hammond Jr. Yeah, his impression is so good, and they hooked into his word association. And I don't know if you've seen him. Where he'll go off on just his YouTube stuff. They'll, they'll put a list of so he's do, he's doing one of those rambling sort of speeches like I would uh, like to talk about socks and and it, it's just a list of words that are unconnected. And then as he goes to each one, it lights up. So he do, <laughs> he just does these runs, and it's not only does it sound like him, but they've hooked into a part of the character that you can laugh at without it being like. I mean, I don't want to say the word mean because that's not what sure. I, that's not what I, but like you can focus on things other than sedition. You, you, you have to find something funny. And, yeah. And sometimes there are things where in comedy, it's hard to go over the top of them because they're already so high up. Mm-hmm. So you have to find a way to point out something that is just ridiculous. Who do you and think the first one to play him was? Don't because have, like, well, I think no, Hartman, Hartman did it back in the day. Well, with, Hartman might have done it too. Yeah. Yeah, Hartman did it during the Ivana divorce. Yes, that's right. Like, I don't know if there was somebody playing him before Phil Hartman, but you've got to find something, like you were saying, you've got to find something new in this character that everybody on Saturday Night Live, every generation of Saturday Night Live since the mid-90s or Mm -hmm. early 90s has had a Donald Trump. Yeah. You know? You have to find new things. And I think they've found something now. And I'm sure it's partly the, the writing but it also is partly the guy who is who's playing him who is so good. Like, yeah. he, like he just came out of nowhere to go after like 30 seconds of watching do any of his impressions. You're like, oh, sign him forever. He's going to be there a very, very like as long as he wants to be. Yeah. I do want to say, though, about Alec Baldwin and his yeah. impression, specifically his Trump impression. I think that this is the first time that I've I've seen something like this where. Normally, if you are doing an impression of someone, mm-hmm. a goal would be for that person to see it and enjoy it, right? You don't want anything to be too mean-spirited. You want to nail somebody. You want, it's like a roast. You know, you're like, you, you do it for somebody that you respect, that you like. This is the first time I've ever seen an impression that the person doing the impression knows that the person they're doing an impression of hates both them and their impression. Yeah. And then knowing that leans into it. Right. Leans into where the goal isn't just to make an audience laugh by pointing out the, uh, you know, holding up a mirror to this ridiculous character. This is the president of the United States hates this impression. And I'm going to do everything I can to piss that guy off. That is a fascinating version of an impression that I've never seen before. It's a very weird, like a very weird funhouse mirror of the time. Where, by the way, I think yeah. James Austin Johnson is the name of the new cast member. He also does a fantastic Joe Biden. He's, he's the new Biden as well. Good. And just like keys into, you know, the best impressions are they find things that we identify with that go, oh, yeah, that's totally that guy. And that's like the fun of it. I don't know if I've ever mentioned on this show the brilliant genius that is Satara Falcon. 
You know Satara. Yeah, of course. From back our in the day at, our, mm-hmm. uh, at Second City. He had a, a uncanny way of doing that, of finding an impression instantly. Mm-hmm. I had to do an impression of George Clooney once. And I called him up and I was like, hey, how do I do a George Clooney impression? And he paused for like three seconds. And then he just went, he's got this big Texas drawl. He goes, I don't know, man, put a period in the middle of every sentence. And so if you just, if you start dropping periods in the middle of every sentence, then suddenly you're talking like George Clooney. And it was so weird, just like those one or two little things that he would, that he was so good at doing. Uh, so I love an impression like that. Are you, do you generally err on the side of you want an accurate impression or, or like, I guess, do you want Daryl Hammond's accuracy or do you want Will Ferrell's unbridled? I'm just going to play this dude as a character, man. I think he keyed into something early enough mm-hmm. with his W that the more he went sort of crazy with it, we were already there with him because he was hooked in. Same yeah. with Dana Carvey's version of, you know, that's Dana Carvey's impression is he like figures out like a thing. That he can pick at over and over again. That knock on yeah. thousand points of life. Da, 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 da. But he finds the music in it. And you know, mm-hmm. like finding any voice is you're figuring out like what note does that, you know, what is the musicality of that person and how they talk? Like I know, you know, I have family members where I know they're going to be like, yeah, like I, you know, that allows you to, to sure. That's, that's your uncle Benny. I've heard him. Uncle Benny. Good yeah. old Uncle Benny. Yeah. Also, um, the only consonants he knows are B and N. So it's all banana, <laughs> banana, 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 banana. Loves bananas or big, is big banana or something man. else and hates them. <laughs> well, another person just saying the poli- political arena, another host who's been there multiple times, mm-hmm. who is one of those people where you go, well, she should have been a cast member is Melissa McCarthy, who came back to play Sean Spicer oh, yeah. a bunch of times, but also was a fantastic host. She was able to bring She's a, a groundling. She did a groundlings. Exactly. And that was the thing. You would watch her, like watching an episode that she would host, like the one when she did the, uh, the ranch taste tester. Like yeah. these are bits that she did groundlings at groundlings. Stage. And yeah. so I, I get excited when she would host because it's like, oh, sweet. It's like going to see Melissa McCarthy in her absolute element. Yeah. I think she's a, she really is another one of those great, like, yeah, she's just, she fits right in. She's a snug fit for the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's great. Drew Barrymore, also a very good host, has hosted multiple times. Yeah. Starting when she was a child. I mean. Basically grown up hosting the show repeated times. It's pretty great. I think she's a pretty good host. I'm trying to think of people I want to name. We already she's not any- terribly wacky. You know what I mean? No, she's not wacky. She's not everybody witchy. needs to be. Not, not everybody needs to be wacky, but like I do expect, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing in any way. I do expect someone to, you know, Put a little stank on it since they're doing a late night comedy show. And Drew Barrymore seems content to be the absolutely perfect Bud Abbott to everyone else's Costello when she hosts. You know what I mean? True. Yeah. But, but I mean, Bud Abbott, would they say, uh, Bud Abbott was the heart of the team and comedians are a dime a dozen. So yeah. Yeah. I think she's another one that uh, is just having a good time doing it, but sort of leaves the crazy to the other people. Unlike yeah. Elon Musk. Whose episode did you see when he hosted? Yes, of course. Uh, I did not hate Elon Musk as a host because Elon Musk swung for the fences, knowing full well that he is not a sketch comedy performer. He just swung for the fences going, okay, if I'm going to play Wario, I'm going to play Wario. You know what I mean? He's just doing these. He's going, I'm not saying he's by any stretch in the top, you know, 50. But I do like seeing someone who is obviously not good at it 
swing for it. Like um, Eli Manning. Yes, although his brother was Peyton was a really brilliant host. Peyton was a great host. Peyton's so he's so TV and media savvy though, mm-hmm. more than his brother is. Yes, that's true. He's got a good sense of humor and he knows how to use it. I do want to uh, shout out Candace Bergen, who was an early early five timer. Oh yeah, and also a fantastic host and part of some iconic moments early on in the show. I think she. Where she didn't benefit was the show, like, the show was still learning who it was, and really the stars were the players. Yeah. There weren't a lot of people who could come in and overshadow them, or even go toe-to-toe with them, which is why, number one, Buck Henry works, because Mm -hmm. he could just underplay, he would come in and do the samurai sketches, and play his part so straight, that really is what made those work better than any, I mean, it works way better than even when Richard Pryor came in. To do Samurai Delicatessen or Samurai Teller, mm-hmm. Taylor, one of those things. Delhi was, uh, Delhi was Buck Henry. Deli, yeah, Delhi was Buck yeah. Henry. Especially yeah, when he's calling out the numbers. I mean, oh like God. Buck Henry, those sketches work because Buck Henry is so dedicated to it. Yeah. And just the like, you know, the guy was a comedy brain with. Oh, yeah. I think that one thing that he has too. And maybe it's by virtue of him being a little older and having written The Graduate, but for Candace Bergen specifically, uh, I think Candace Bergen works so well in it because she feels higher status than the show. You know what I mean? Sure. Like Candace Bergen, in the same way that Drew Barrymore is the like, laugh along with you, roll your eyes, straight man. The role that Candace Bergen plays so brilliantly is, I want none of this tomfoolery. <laughs> and she's so good at it. And then she actually, when she actually gets a chance, to bust someone's chops on camera with Gilda Radner when Gilda Radner blew a line and then started mm-hmm. laughing. And Candace Bergen just turns into the camera and continues with her monologue while throwing shade at uh, Gilda Radner. <laughs> I mean, oh, no, 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 no. It was the reverse. It was Gilda Radner that was throwing shade at Candace Bergen. Yes. Scratch that story. I did that. I did that completely backwards. I had the memory of it reversed right. in my head. That, but my thing still stands. My thought still stands that Candace Bergen is uh, too classy for the tomfoolery of this show, which That's is true. why it works when she hosts. Her with Dan Aykroyd just being Dan Aykroyd just being douchey and sleazy, and Candace Bergen having to put up with it is so funny. Oh yeah, that's right. The toy. Uh... Oh yeah. <laughs> the bag of glass. <laughs> oh lord. Uh, uh okay. I... I mean, I just, I could just sit talking to SNL for five hours and I know Kevin would love that to no end. Let's have a bit of a chat. Let's do a three hour episode. Let's do a bit of a chat. Yeah, that's like a little bit of a chat. We're going to do a little bit of a chat. Let's take a break. And then we'll come back with our show, a miniature talk, a miniature talk. It'll, we'll be right back. <laughs> You're in a theater. The lights go down. You're about to get swept up by the characters and all their little details and interpersonal dramas. You look at them and think, that person is so obviously in love with their best friend. Wait, am I in love with my best friend? That character's mom is so overbearing. Why doesn't she just stand up to her? Oh, God, do I need to stand up to my own mother? If you've ever recognized yourself in a movie, then join me, Jordan Cruciola, for the podcast Feeling Seen. We've talked to author Susan Orlean on realizing her own marriage was falling apart after watching Adaptation, an adaptation of her own work, and comedian Hari Kondabolu on why Harold and Kumar was a depressingly important movie for Southeast Asians. So join me every Thursday for the Feeling Scene podcast here on Maximum Fun. 
I'm Lisa Hannawalt. And I'm Emily Heller. Nine years ago, we started a podcast to try and learn something new every episode. Things have gone a little off the rails since then. <laughs> Tune in to hear about low stakes neighborhood drama, gardening, the sordid, nasty underbelly of the horse girl lifestyle, hot sauce, <laughs> addiction to TV, and sweaty takes on celebrity culture, and the weirdest, grossest stuff you can find on wikipedia.org. We'll read all of it no matter how gross. <laughs> There's something for everyone on our podcast, Baby Genius. Hosted by us, two horny adult idiots. Hang out with us as we try and fail to retain any knowledge at all. Every other week on Maximum Fun. And we're back. There is a current host or someone who has been there multiple times Mm -hmm. who is part of a generation of performers. A lot of, I think almost every famous person from the, the reboot of the Mickey Mouse Club has hosted the show. Ryan Gosling is host of the show. Britney Spears is host of the show. <laughs> Christina Aguilera is host of the show. But none of them have hosted the show as well oh, yeah. as the in-sync man himself, Justin Timberlake, <laughs> who brings all those skills of he can dance. Oh yeah. He can sing. And he did, he did a children's show that was essentially a sketch show. So he has the same pedigree towards it that Keenan Thompson had, which is what makes mm-hmm. Keenan Thompson one of the greatest cast members of all time. It's like, oh, yeah. you, you get the format. And you get how to like communicate. You have to communicate the humor quickly. Are we counting in this iconic characters that are like, we've talked a lot about sort of their ease within the show Mm -hmm. and how they deal with the cast. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are certain hosts. We never mentioned some of the iconic characters that those individual hosts played. You know, Tom Hanks's Dave S. Pumpkins, the continental term memory, Mr. Short term memory. But I think one of the greatest recurring bits is Timberlake's. First of all, anything, any music that he did with Andy Samberg sure. and the Lonely Island guys, but his pitch man. Yes. The bring when his, down to whateverville. Yeah. I mean, that pitch man bit was always just Justin Timberlake. Just pull the ripcord on his back and let him go. Yep. And it's so fun. Also, his <laughs> the Barry Give talk show is a great sketch for a number of reasons, but his Robin Give fairly talking always looking afraid like now now don't like is so good it's like the perfect he does just enough in that sketch like he serves it yeah. perfectly and he always comes in like he's not afraid to do anything like yeah. not afraid to look stupid he's, he's not, not afraid to look, to look stupid. stupid he's not afraid to take the small part uh-huh and do you know you know in the talk show you know you got jimmy fallon is the one that's running the show yeah. But you've got him just sort of dropping in those moments. Let's pause and think about take another what, break. <laughs> let's take another break. Uh, then we're going to be back with a minuscule conversation. Yes. What do we think are the key criteria? Are there any that we haven't mentioned yet? Yeah, I think we're, we're kind of in just in discussing all these people and what makes them great. You're sort of coming to it. They have to meld yeah. well. They have to play well with the ensemble. Mm-hmm. I think the, but they, they still have to stand out in some way. The best of the best, I think, blend in in a way where it seems like they have all the skills necessary to be there. If they were there every week, you feel like it would be okay. That they could permanently yeah. host the show and be great. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Was there any host that you thought would be bad? Because part of this is they have to clear a bar. The host has to clear a bar. Sometimes the bar is very low and the host clears it easily. Sometimes the bar is very high and the host clears it easily. Sometimes it's very low and they don't clear it. Who stood out to you? As good when I didn't think they were going to be? 
Yeah. I'm trying to think of people where I just, I think the worst it is for me is not being sure. I think if I think they're not going to be that good, if I'm at that place, but then we're on our way to a Nancy Kerrigan episode, which is yeah. one of the worst episodes ever. Generally, yeah. an athlete is not going to be super great. Charles Barkley is a terrible actor, but has such a good <laughs> sense of humor and like no ego yeah. about doing anything that he's the re that's the reason why he keeps getting brought back over and over and over again. He's willing to make fun of like that show tears him apart when he's not there. Yeah. Keenan Thompson's impression of him is not nice. <laughs> he's basically a degenerate gambler and, and stupid, but he will come in and play and have the time of his life because he gets. And as that's, that's always sort of been one of his things is like, I get the joke. So yeah. I'm here to be a part of it. Like, it's all good. Do whatever you want. Um, so I think he was surprising just in the number of times he's been back and that it always kind of works somehow. Yeah. But I can't think of people who have disappointed me particularly, nor can I think of people where I thought it was going to be the best thing ever. And it just wasn't. Do you, do you, did you have somebody in mind? No, I just was curious if you had any, I do have one fascinating recent one was when Kim Kardashian hosted not long ago. Mm -hmm. And I think that I really enjoyed about that was her opening monologue because yeah. That to me, it felt like for all of her faults, it felt like she was game. And that was, you know, like she's not an actor. She's not particularly funny, but letting her just say words that the writers wrote, her monologue impressed me in that. The fact that she was willing to say some of the things that the writers wrote into that monologue, that the writer's room knew they were writing for Kim Kardashian and that Kim Kardashian was game to do it. I was really impressed with that opening monologue. I thought it was funny. I don't think it was objectively like if I'd sat down and thought it was just a person doing stand up that it would be funny. But I think knowing all of the different things swirling around it, I think it was a success. Yes. Yeah. Look, she's a lot smarter than people give her credit for. Exactly. Yeah. And in addition to her intelligence, she's extremely media savvy. So mm -hmm. for her to not get it and show up there would have been really, really bizarre. Yeah. All right. Let's see if we can come up with a list of finalists. Okay. Who is the greatest host of all time. And of course, there are people we haven't mentioned here. Everybody has their favorites. But I think when you think of the best hosts of all time, that it's a much shorter list. So who, who do you want to throw out there? Oh, I'm going to go ahead and say, well, you want to just go back and forth throwing them out there? Sure. I think Tom Hanks is top of my list. He's great. I think the top of my list would probably be Steve Martin. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a tough one to punch. You know, we, we were talking before the reason why we haven't really talked about Steve Martin at all. Mm -hmm. Number one is you can pick any decade the show has been on the air and find like a clip, an all time clip that is something he has done. That he's either written or been a part of it. Every time they talk about Gilda Radner, it's the scene of the two of them dancing and mm -hmm. like going in between like the serious romantic dance and being crazy and silly, like, like only the two of them could be. But he was, you know, we talked about those early people who, where it was really about the cast and not about them. So not many hosts could either overshadow or, or even like toe to toe with them. Steve Martin, 100% one of those people. Richard Pryor was too, but Steve yeah. Martin, like just. He worked on that show so well that he yeah. is one of those guys, along with Tom Hanks and along with John Goodman, too, who could be there every single week. I just think Steve Martin. I've never seen him miss on that show, not in a major way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, again, it goes back to that very first thing that I said, which is I think you need to have that trust. Mm -hmm. And we had talked about this before in just doing sketch shows. Mike Ross, the great Mike Ross at Second City. 
mm-hmm. said your first two scenes have to do two things and it doesn't matter which order you do it in. They have to show that you have energy and that you are smart. And if the audience knows that you have energy and are smart, then they are willing to go along with what you're doing. And Steve Martin has energy and brains. And from his first appearance on SNL came out through the audience off guard with how much energy and how many brains, much brains, many brains, mm-hmm. Bra- how much brain power he had. So I think that it was, it's real easy to feel like you're in good shape where you can just sit back and enjoy it when Steve Martin hosts. And when Tom Hanks hosts, Tom Hanks will sit back and enjoy it. And you will also be along for the ride, enjoying it with him. <laughs> I'd like to shout out because I now have in front of me a list of the hosts who have the members, members of the five timers club. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were a couple surprises on here. Paul Simon. Uh, yeah, Paul Simon for, but many musical appearances. I didn't realize that Black Widow herself had hosted six times. Yeah, she's actually Scarlett Johansson. Really, she's a very good, I mean, again, theater person. Yeah. She's a really good host. She is sort of an under the radar. It's under the radar how good she is. Yeah. Cause you forget how many times she's hosted, but she's also from the New York area. So like all the, there's a lot of New York specific stuff that happens on SNL. Mm-hmm. And she always fits it. They do the, the, the marble columns that she did with Fred Armisen. I think yeah. they did a couple different versions of that. Um, she's a fantastic host. It also probably helps on a last minute thing for that. Some of these people have probably hosted a bunch because, you know, Alec Baldwin, you know, he lives in Greenwich village mm-hmm. and a Hollywood movie star can't get on a plane and make it out. It's pretty easy to go. Well, it's six 15. Call Alec. I mean, you look at the episode they just had where last minute it was just, well, we're not having the audience. So bring in a bunch of ringers. Yeah. Paul Rudd, another five timer, another great host. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize Paul Rudd had done it. Five this times. was his yeah. fifth time. Ah. That Christmas episode. So it, I mean, it counts because they used some pre-taped stuff that they had mm-hmm. done during the week. But, you know, I mean, there is something to people being close by. You know, the story of Chris Farley when he came back to host, right? No. He was in such bad shape at the time that they didn't know whether or not he was going to make it through or he was going to disappear or what. So they had Chris Rock basically ready to go to back yeah. him up. Chris Rock's another great one. Yeah. He's a very good host. Again, yeah. like got better when he went away. But he's from, from the, show. yeah, he's from the, and doesn't he, count because he's from the show. Former cast member. When Adam Sandler came back to host, it was really good and it took him a long time to come back, but yeah, but it, it was good. There's a noteworthy one that we haven't mentioned. I'm curious what your thoughts are. And that's Chappelle because that feels like oil and water. He is when he gets there, it becomes the Chappelle Saturday Night Live. That's the, that is, I think the issue. If you're, if you're right, if comedy is written in a voice, right? And SNL has a voice. Chappelle's voice is so, and currently quite controversial and so defined and And, strong and, and disappointing. And, and disappointing ways. in a lot and, of ways. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the, I think my issue with him hosting, obviously he's great at sketch mm-hmm. is that it does become the Chappelle show when yeah. he's there. You can feel the show shift. And I think you want a host who comes in and just makes what's there the best it can possibly be. Like yeah. when Eddie Murphy comes back to host, it's clearly going to be the Eddie Murphy sure. show. Everybody wants to do a sketch with him. Everybody wants to bring back all the stuff that he did. Yeah. It's all within the framework of it still feels like an episode of SNL. And they also introduced the cake competition sketch in mm-hmm. that, the Christmas one where those puppets. I think I opened a gate to hell because I'm very bad at cooking. Yeah, it's funny, like in contrast to that, where it's 
I go back to Tom Hanks again. I guess maybe it's just my favorite. I think objectively, Steve Martin is probably number one. Yeah. As we're looking at it more and more, but they're like, you look at Dave S. Pumpkins, right? David S. Pumpkins. What is he? David S. David S. Pumpkins. David, you know, Davy Pumpkins. Davy Pumpkins. I thought it was Dave S. David S. David S. Pumpkins. Yes. Uh, David S. Pumpkins. That bit has no business working as well as it did. Yeah. And it has no business becoming the giant iconic cultural thing that it became. Mm -hmm. And I think that is specifically because Tom Hanks leaned in the first time he did it. Yeah. Just fully leaned into the insanity of the bit. And that's what took us on that ride. I have to imagine when you write something like that, mm -hmm. and you're not sure if it's going to fly. It really depends on the table read and, and how the host reacts. You get to write the funniest sketch on earth. And if the host yeah. doesn't like it, it's, it's at least not going to be on that week. Right. But they could effectively poison it. But he comes in with the attitude of how are we going to make this work? Yeah. So I get it. If Steve Martin is my number one, he's my one A. Yeah. Because but look, it's, so I mean, synonymous, but he also disappeared. He and Steve Martin both disappeared for a while. Sure. It feels like Tom Hanks disappeared for longer. Like he, I don't know what the, yeah, he was in there in the nineties a lot. Yeah. And then he suddenly he's coming back as America's dad, giving us a stern talking to. Yeah. It feels like he, he, he won two Oscars and then stopped hosting for a while. <laughs> I may have that wrong. No. Uh, look, I get it, man. He's a busy guy. He's a busy guy. He's got that new Apple movie out. <laughs> but yeah, look, I mean, Steve Martin, I keep thinking about, you know, King Tut. King Tut? You know, he goes back to the early 70s. Or, or not Brothers. early 70s, early episodes in the mid to late 70s. Uh, yeah, the Festrunk Brothers. I mean, yeah, he, Steve Martin does not need to bring back old characters because those old characters at this point are almost 50 years old anyway. Yeah. And he can just do new stuff every time. Yep. And I think that he does have, because we've talked about them sort of blending in well with the cast, like somebody like Drew Barrymore or Tom Hanks does, or standing out and putting their own stamp on what they're doing, like Christopher Walken and Eddie Murphy do. But I think that Steve Martin might be the one that does both exceptionally well. He's interesting because he has the air of a Candace Bergen. Like his mm -hmm. persona is a little bit of like, I'm better. I'm better than, than this all show. Of you. Yeah. But the truth is that we all know is that he's there to play and he's super game mm -hmm. and that he loves to do it. And just like yeah. the perfect, it's like the show was made for him to host it. So when he comes in in the seventies and starts hosting that, it's like, Oh, this makes perfect sense. This guy should be here. Like you would think by the end of the seventies that he hosted it 50 times. Yeah. And then just in from like 1986 to 1992, you probably guess he hosted it another 50 times. That's just because that's when he was in every movie. So he you're just seeing him movies. constantly. But he also like he worked with every single one of those. Every single time he's come there, it's been like, well, he could just be here all the time. Yeah, it just works. And the number of classic moments that are his and his alone. From King Tut to the Festrunk Brothers to Dancing with Gilda to the Christmas, if I had one wish. The one the wish monologue is one of the greatest pieces ever on SNL. Yeah. And it works. It works because it feels like something he would have done. He could have just as easily done it in 1976 as when mm -hmm. he did it, which I think was like, I don't know, 91, 92, 93, somewhere in there. Somewhere around then, yeah. So it's just... He's just the master of it. It doesn't matter if somebody hosts it more than him. I don't think anybody can host it better than him. 
Yeah, I think you're right. I think we have our answer, Hal. Yeah. People of the world. I knew that Don Pardo was going to do it. <laughs> it's Saturday Night Live with your greatest... <laughs> Mark Gagliardi. How oh, lovely. He finally said my name. Musical guests Jonathan Dynastine and Mike Berman featuring Ken Bloom as your host, the best host in the history of Saturday Night Live. Steve Martin, ask and answer. You, a little at the end, Snagglepuss. you started to turn into uh, Don Pardo's ghost. Hey, I'm here from beyond the grave. Steve green. Martin, <laughs> me hiding your keys. <laughs> the chill down your spine. Well, that topic is closed, people. Yep. It's Steve Martin. He's the best of all time. Steve, if you're listening, we're big fans. You're goaded. This topic is closed, but there are many more topics to discuss. So please reach out to us on Twitter or you can email us. We got this podcast at gmail.com or go to our Facebook group. Let's talk about SNL together, a show that I hope we all love. And if you don't love it, that's okay. Go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash. We got this podcast. Thank you to producer Ken Plume. You can listen to his podcast, a bit of a chat with Ken Plume, wherever you get your podcasts. Researcher Kate McManus, graphic designer Uri Kelman, and QA engineer Jen Alba. And thanks, of course, to our musicians, Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman for our score and theme song, respectively. And thanks to you, the people of the world. There's no one that we would rather curl up with at 11 p.m. on a Saturday night. 11.30. Well, I get there at 11 because I watch the news first. (laughs) Let me do that again. I always forget to think of something to say right here. And then I just start rambling. You don't have to say anything. I like that you find something. Thanks to you, the people of the world, for giving Hal and I an excuse to put on our footy pajamas, to put on our footy pajamas, grab a big bag of M&Ms and sit down in front of the TV at 1130 and laugh our asses off. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Gagliardi. For Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Lublin. And don't worry, everybody. We got this. We got this. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.